We good? Happy Sunday, man. It is so good to see everybody today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online right now. We love you online. We love you here. We love you everywhere. Put your hands together for everybody who's joining us today via the interwebs. So good. So many amazing things happening right now in our church. I want to take a minute. I want to say what's up to all the fellas. Stronger Men's Conference was this weekend. It was amazing. It was incredible. And, uh, man, if you, uh, if you want to join us next year, obviously we promote it. It's going to be amazing. It was, it was incredible. It was just a great, great time. God was just working in people's lives. And, and you could just tell guys were, were growing closer to God. It was powerful down at uh, JQH Arena uh, with, with James River Church. It was just amazing. Monster trucks. There were monster trucks. That was amazing. Um, there were people repelling from the ceiling. That's always a good time. There was literally a dude who jumped, I don't know how, 30 feet, 30 feet from a platform, 30 feet in the air into 10 inches of water, and that's a good time. So there was that, and, it, and he lived, so that was cool. That was just like an extra bonus that he survived it. Um, but it was, uh, it was so much fun. And there's just something about guys getting together and, and, and worshiping Jesus. So, guys, sign up. Uh, we're going to make it even better next year. We're going to do a whole thing with our church. You want to be a part of it. And then, ladies, DFL is just a few months away as well. So you want to sign up for that. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so there's that happening. All right, I know we already had announcements. But I just also have to just tell you all the amazing things. Baptisms tonight. Esta noche. All right. It's going to be amazing. Our first baptism event in our new building. If you've made a decision to follow Christ recently and you haven't been water baptized, I want to take a moment. I want to encourage you to take that step. It is a really, really important step because, because Jesus tells us to be baptized. He tells us to be baptized. In fact, it's such a big deal to Jesus that he gets baptized himself. He says, I want to show you how big of a deal this is. And the reason, the reason it means so much is it's, it's actually identifying with Jesus. When we get baptized, we're identifying with him by going under the water. We identify with his death. When we come up out of the water, we identify with his resurrection life. And it's going public with our faith. So if you've never made a decision to get baptized after making a decision to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to do that. It will be very, very meaningful and very, very powerful. And the reason that it is is because it's a step of obedience. And God always blesses obedience. When we line up with what he's asked us to do, there's always a blessing there. And that's always a good thing if you believe it. Say, I do. And then one more thing. Just say one more thing. Everybody say one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. First Wednesday is this Wednesday. Yes. Our first First Wednesday in our new building. And if you've never been to First Wednesday, it's a little bit more worship. We take some more time to pray. It's just, it's just a different type of environment. But I want to encourage you, get here. Get here. Come pray with us. Come seek God with us. There's something powerful happening at our First Wednesday services. Just the first Wednesday of the month, I promise you will have the opportunity to meet with God in a very, very powerful way. Come join us First Wednesday. I cannot wait to fill this place with prayer and praise. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's gonna be good. That's all I can say. All right. Well, hey, we're in a new series. We're talking about knowing God. We're talking about God is. God is blank. And someone asked me, he's like, is that the series? God is blank. No, God, fill in the blank, all right? We're filling in the blank, all right? God is not blank, but, but we're filling in the blanks that, that we think about 
when we think about God. And, and so if I were to ask you today, like just straight up, what, who is God to you? If I just came out to your seat and like put the microphone in your face and said, who is God? You know, what do you think God is? First of all, you probably wouldn't like that very much. Because people don't like being put on the spot. I wouldn't like that very much either. But, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Like you start thinking, but who, who is God? Who is God really? And do you really know him? Because how many know it's possible to think that you know someone only to realize, like, I didn't really know you. Like, have you ever been in a dating relationship? You get a few months down the road and you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you're literally insane, you know. And, and you thought it was great. And then it just turned out. So, like, you can think you know someone, but you don't really know someone until you get to know them. And let me ask you this. Do you know God? Do you really know God? W one of the great quotes uh, of Christian literature is by A.W. Tozer, and he says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I really believe that's true. I believe that's true because if God is who he says he is or who we think he is or who, who even, we, we talk about him in church and we say God is like this. If he's even close to who we think he is, then that statement is true. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because that one thing affects everything. Everybody say everything. It affects everything. And the reason is, is because it affects how you pray. What you think about God affects how you pray. It affects how you serve. It affects how you give. It affects how you interact with your spouse. It affects how you do family life. It affects how you lead your business, how you go to work every day. Knowing who God is, is literally the most important thing about you. So who is God? And that's what we're unpacking in this series. And we're talking about the names of God. And so if you've been around Christianity at all, you've heard some of these names thrown out. Or if you've ever been to Mardell, you've seen names on a wall, decor. Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu. You've seen these names and you're like, okay, I don't get it, but it looks good and I'm sure it's spiritual, so I'll put it on my wall. Anybody ever done that? He's <laughs> like, okay, I, I don't understand that, but I'll, I'll put it there. What I, want, what I want to do is help you understand what these names are because when you understand these names, these names help you understand who God is and who God can be for you. And when you know who God is, it builds your confidence in God. It really does. It really does. And so that's what we're, we're talking about uh, in this series. And we started last week, we, we started talking about I am. And really, that's the most important thing because God reveals himself as I am in the Old Testament. And that, mean, that, that word means the being one. It's the one who was. And it's the one who will be. It's the one who is above all things. And it's the one who, by all things, uh, he, he creates. And so the, the I am is the ever-present one. He's the first. He's the last. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is I am, the being one. And when Jesus shows up, Jesus says, I am. So Jesus links himself to this Old Testament revelation of God and says, I am him. I am. They are together, the three in one. And what Jesus does, and we talked about this last week, he reveals about God, he says, God is a father. And so we talked about how God, when you, if, you, if you approach God in any way, you have to approach him 
understanding that he is a good, good father. And so we talked about that last week. And so if you missed that, I want to encourage you, go online, go on our app. You can, you can listen to that. That will be an encouragement to you. Today I want to talk about how God is our righteousness. God is our righteousness. And the name is Jehovah Sid Canoe. Everybody say Sid Canoe. Sid Canoe. And the, the reason, this is very interesting, Sid Canoe. You could say Sid Kinoo. Sid Kinu, this is, a, this is a good little way to remember what this word means. But Sid Kinu, because this is the key that unlocks every other facet of God's nature. Sid, Sid Kinu is the key. It's the key, all right? Some people are getting blessed over here. Thank you so much for that. But let me just, how many of you guys remember Pirates of the Caribbean? Anybody remember Pirates of the Caribbean? Anybody remember? Okay. There's five people at church today that remember Pirates of the Okay, there we go. I was just making sure. I'm like, am I living in America? Like, what's going on here? Um, remember that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where they, they have, like, the cave, and it's, like, the treasure, all the treasure in the cave, and, like, they're all trying to get to that, like, that spot, and they're trying to get that, like, that's a lot of treasure, you know? Can you imagine a cave full of treasure like that? What would you do to get a, your hands on that? What would you do to get that in your boat? You know, what, what, what would you do to secure that kind of treasure, you know? And, and I was thinking about the, the treasure of God. And the, we talked about last week how his names are like facets of a diamond that shine his nature to us. And, and I started thinking about what would you do to get access to all of the treasure in the cave of Pirates Caribbean? Would you sell your car? Anybody sell your car? Some of you are like, I can't wait to get rid of that car. Some of you are like... Would you, would you sell your house? Some of you live in a nice house. Maybe it's comparable. I, I don't know. Would you, would, you clear, would, you, would you sell out your bank account? Would you just trade your bank account for all of the treasure? And some of you are like, with these gas prices, yeah, I don't have anything left. You know, so you probably would. And, and here's, here's what happens with Sid Canoe. Sid Canoe is literally God giving us the key that unlocks all that he is so that we can experience it for ourselves. Sid key knew God is our righteousness. This is really, really important. And essentially, this message, it's the gospel. This is the gospel. Because God wants you to be right with him. God wants you to be in relationship with him. How many of you have a relationship? Anybody in a relationship of any kind? Anybody know, what, anybody know what a relationship is? Just raise your hand if you do or ever heard of it. Okay. Okay, so God, God actually wants a relationship with you. How many of you know you can be right in an argument and wrong in relationship? Any married people know what I'm talking about? Anybody else always right in the marriage discussions? Anybody know what I'm talking about? My wife's hand isn't up. See, it proves it. I'm right. No, now she puts it up. Uh, you can be right in an argument and wrong in relationship. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? But God wants you to be right in relationship with him. And where this word Sid Canoe comes is in the book of Jeremiah chapter 23. And the whole book is really depressing. So if you're going through a rough season, don't read Jeremiah. Read Psalms. Read Philippians, 
Stay away from Jeremiah. It's depressing, okay? It's not very encouraging. And the reason it's not very encouraging is because Israel has done what Israel is so good at doing. They've turned their backs on God yet again. And God is, and, and they're experiencing the consequences for it. And it's not good. When we do our own thing, when we go our own way, it sounds really good, and it usually ends up really bad. And that's what happens for Israel. And so it's like, man, God's like, I told you guys not to do that. You did it, and now you're experiencing the consequences. But in this very dark moment, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says, but I am going to do something great. Even though you are away from me right now, even though you are not right with me, I am going to make you right. I am going to sit canoe. And that's what we find this word, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 4 through 6. I just want to read a few verses, and then we'll jump into our content. If you're ready, say, I am. I am. Right, let's do it. Jeremiah chapter 23, in verses 4 through 6. God says this, the days are coming. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous savior, Jehovah Sid Canoe. God wants to make it right with us so that it can be all right for us. That's good. I don't know if yes. That's, God wants to make it right with us so that it will be all right for us. Because when we're not right with God, nothing's right for us. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many things you've acquired or how big your house is. If you're not right with God, it's not all right for you. And Sid Canoe, Sid Canoe is what makes you right with God. And the way I want to break this down, because this is the gospel, this is essentially the gospel. And again, this is the key that unlocks the treasure that is God. And I want to break this down. I want to look at bad news versus good news. Now, when someone says, hey, I've got bad news and good news, how many of you want the good news first? Anybody want the good news first? Okay. Okay. Anybody, how many of you want the bad news first? You want the bad news first? Okay, good. All right. Democratic vote. We'll do the bad news. <laughs> bad news first. And, and I actually have, I have bad news for you. Then I've got good news. Then I've got terrible news. <laughs> then I've got great news. All right. So let me show this to you. All right. Bad news is all of us need a standard. The good news is God gives us a standard. The terrible news is none of us meet that standard. And the great news is Jesus meets the standard for us and gives us the power to live it. It's so good. It's so good. All right, so we're going to break these things down. We're going to have some time of worship at the end. But before we do, turn to three people and say, man, you look like you could use some really good news. Come on, tell three people, say, man, you look... Like you could use some really good news. All right, here's the bad news. The bad news is all of us need a standard. All of us need a standard. What has the final say in your life? Or what has the final say in arguments, you know, in your household? Probably Google, right? 
back in the day, like, we used to be able to, like, kind of let arguments go a little bit. Like, I think it's this. No, I think it's this. I think we're this far from the moon. No, I think it's this. Now it's like, Alexa, you know. <laughs> it's like, there's no, like, it's just quick. But what has the final say for you? Is it the news? Is it the stock market? Is it Instagram? For a lot of people, for a lot of us, if we're honest, what has the final say for us is our feelings. If it feels right, do it. It's what society says. Society says, just be true to yourself. Just be the truest expression of your most authentic reality. <laughs> Go with your gut, trust your feelings. How can this be wrong when it feels so right? Come on, country people. You know what I'm talking about. That's old country song. Just do what you feel. Right? This, this is the philosophy of our age. This is the religion of our age. Just do what you feel, man. What feels right to you, it's got to be right. And what's crazy is it's only gotten worse despite all of the evidence that that's complete foolishness. For example, I live exactly 3.8 miles from Andy's frozen custard in Lee Summit. I can be there in less than four minutes. And without fail, without fail, about 10.30 every night, because Andy's closes at 11, if you didn't know. <laughs> but without fail, 10.30 every night, I'm like, mm, I can make it there in four minutes. Kids are in bed, so I don't have to worry about getting them any. Because that gets expensive. Come on, parents. <laughs> I can make it there and back. It will be amazing. And you have that voice in your, set, your head start going, just go, Scott. Just go. It'll be so worth it, Scott. Just start driving, Scott. You'll be there in no time, Scott. Just eat all of it, Scott. Leave nothing for Jen, Scott. <laughs> That's what I feel. But how many of you know if I listen to that feeling every day, it's going to go bad for me? It's going to go bad for me. Number one, I'm going to gain a lot of weight. Number two, not sharing with your wife. That's not good. It's not good. It's not going to go well. How many of you know not every feeling is worth listening to? As a testimony, how many of you have ever acted on your feelings and been really, really upset and regretful that you did? Just raise your hand. Come on, all across this place. Okay. Because feelings lie. Feelings lie. They say this is so good, this is so right, and they don't necessarily lead us to good things. In fact, they can lead us to all kinds of terrible things because they're connected to the flesh. Add to that, feelings change. Okay? How many of you ever felt one way in one moment, like really, really strong, and then three minutes later felt, felt completely different? So feelings lie Feelings change. Feelings can't be trusted. 
They can't be trusted. And the reality is we need a standard, and our standard that we need is not us. And that's what happens in the context of Jeremiah. Because the people have turned their back on God, and because of it, they've been, they've been taken captive by a foreign nation. And this happens over and over again. It goes really bad for Israel when they act on their feelings. In fact, at the end of Judges chapter 21, it's one of the darkest, it's one of the darkest parts of the Bible. Judges chapter 21. And Israel gets ready to, to do some in, incredibly horrible things. Like you read it and you're like, how? How can you go from loving God? How can you go from experiencing the hand of God, experiencing God do miracles in your life? How can you go from that to what you are doing right now? And the reality is, Judges tells us. Judges tells us, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You know what it's saying? Everybody did what they felt. You know, it's interesting because we think that freedom to do whatever we want brings freedom. But in reality, doing whatever we want just brings confusion. Think about that for a second. We think that freedom to do whatever we want brings freedom. But in reality, freedom to do whatever we want brings confusion. Just look at our society today, right? No one knows what's right. No one knows what's fair. No one knows what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. Does God really care what I do with my body? Does God really care who I marry or how I run my company or what gender I am? Does God really care because I feel like blank so my feelings must be right but how many of you know feelings lie feelings change they can't be trusted it's so true and the result the result is anything but peace it's selfishness anxiety depression jealousy strife See, we need a standard, and that standard is not us. That's the bad news. The good news, God has a standard. God has a standard. You are made to live for God. You are made to, to live like God. Look at 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That means God is perfect. God is, God is righteous. So God wants you to be like him. King David talked about what living for the standard actually looks like in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. See, we're craving a standard and God has this standard. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. See, God's standard, God's law is sweet. It's not a burden. It's what we crave. Have you ever played like a sport and not had any boundaries? It's like really frustrating. Have you ever played a sport and not had any rules? Or like have you ever played with somebody who always changes the rules like mid-game? Hate that person. Can't stand that person. Like they always be like, oh, no, no, I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. You know, it's like you're just changing the rules. You're changing the rules. What we need is a standard. Watch this. He goes on to 11. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. Look what he, see, verse 12. Let me read that again because that's so powerful. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. He's saying, who can know? Who can know? Because sometimes you think you're really right and you're really wrong. So who can know? He says, so give me the standard. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. David says, my heart is prone to wander. I'm very capable of bad things. So God, give me your standard. That standard that's going to be that sweet like honey to me. I want that standard. So that's the good news. God gives a standard. We need a standard. God gives a standard, but now it's the terrible news. None of us meet that standard. God has this perfect standard, and none of us meet it. Romans 3 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Not even one person. And Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, I don't know much about sheep, but I know they are prone to wander, they get lost, and it's always a bad thing. That's, thank you for clapping. Thank you. That means so much. I, I, like, I knew it was gonna heavy there. I thought, just throw the bad joke in, you know, so thank you. Thank you. But, but it is because, because we miss out on the blessing of the standard. We go our own way and we miss out on the blessing of the standard. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. It's separation from God. And it's death to our souls. So here we have this God who wants us to live. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be close with him. He wants abundant life for you. And yet, and yet... We have sin that separates us. And so when we start to get close to God, we feel like we don't belong. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like coming into church, like you had a bad week or you did some bad things or you had a fight on the way to church or, or whatever? You, you're, you're coming into the presence of God and as soon as you start worshiping, as soon as they start singing, you feel like, I don't belong here. Like, I, I, can't, I can't be here. You ever felt like that? Well, you're not alone. The apostle Peter actually felt like that when Jesus met him and called him and did the miracle for him. 
multiplied all, all the fish. There was no fish, actually, and made fish appear where there were no fish. And, and when Simon Peter saw this, look at Luke chapter 5, verse 8. When he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm seeing your presence. I'm seeing who you are. And I'm like, I don't belong here. God, I can't even be close to you. See, we need a standard God gives us that standard, and the terrible news is we'll never meet it. We get marked by the world, and I have a little illustration. Dalen, come on up. It's a little illustration of, of how we get marked by the world and by sin. And Give a man a big hand. Come on, somebody. If you just hold that, you can just hold it right there. All right, so this is you this is you this is you and this is life this is life 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 is challenging life is full of disappointment life is full of sinful opportunities and when so this is us we this is this is clean this is us and god wants us clean god god needs us clean but when we sin we get marked up we get marked up we lust we get greedy, we get in a fight with our spouse, we don't respond kindly to our kids, we take advantage of somebody, we cheat, we lie in our taxes. Okay, I don't know if that's relevant for anybody. Just let, it, let the word go as it needs to. We get marred up. And so, so we, don't, we don't look clean, and so we try to clean ourselves up. We try to clean ourselves up, and what do we use? Of course, Clorox. We try to clean ourselves up, and we, we, we go after, we, we try to clean ourselves up, and what do we end up doing? We make ourselves worse. And what do we have? Filthy rags. Interesting, interesting. But Isaiah says in 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We try to clean ourselves up by doing good things. We try to clean ourselves up by being a good person. We try to clean ourselves up by coming to church, church attendance. Church attendance won't change you. It gives you the chance to be changed, but it doesn't change you in and of itself. We try to clean ourselves up. The bad news is we need a standard. The good news is God gives us a standard, but the terrible news is none of us can attain it and we can't make it better. But the great news is this. Jesus meets the standard for us and gives us the power to live it. He gives us the power to live it. Remember what we looked at in Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah at the beginning? He says, I will raise up a righteous branch. In the Old Testament, he says, I'm going to raise up a righteous branch. A family member of King David will come and be righteousness perfectly. Because even David, even David, King David, the best king of all, the one who just, remember we prayed, keep me from willful sins? Remember that guy? That guy messes up royally royally 
has an affair with his best friends, one of his good friends' wives. She doesn't have a choice, basically. And then kills his good friend to cover it up. Like, that's messed up. But God says, from him, I will bring a righteous branch. Now, I want to go to Jeremiah 31. God continues this whole Sid Canoe idea. The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. See, there's an old covenant, and now God is making a new covenant. And with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So we need a standard. We can't, we can't meet it ourselves, and God is going to provide Jesus. All right, now it's time for Jesus to show up, okay? It's time for Jesus to come on in to the scene, and he happens to look like Nathan Teagarden. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Teagarden. So Jesus comes, and what he does, thank you, Dalen, great job. What he does is allows us to hide ourselves in him. That's what, that's what happens. And so when God sees us, when we're in Jesus, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Jesus. He sees, he sees, he sees holiness. Second Corinthians chapter five, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's so good. Jesus becomes sin. He overcomes sin. Revelation 1 says, I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys. I hold the keys. Sid Kinu holds the keys of death and Hades. The stuff that is holding you back, the stuff that has held you down, the stuff that is frustrating your marriage, the stuff that is keeping you bound in your sin. Jesus has that key. He is the key. He is Sid Kinu, and he unlocks death, hell, and the grave so you can come up out of that and live different. That's the, that's the glory of God. That's the glory of God. For all of us, that gives us a chance to worship. That's what it does. So would you stand with me all across this place? And we're going to take time. I ask the worship team to come. And this gives, us, this gives us the chance to worship in freedom. This gives us the chance to worship unashamed. This gives us the chance to say, God, I, I respond to you. But we have to be right with him. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this amazing truth, the righteousness of God that you have become right 
or you have made us right because you became sin for us. You make us right so that we can experience all that you are, God. It is amazing. It is incredible. How good is this very great news? And yet we have to receive it. We have to receive it. And while you're standing with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I want to ask you, you're here today. We're about to worship, and I want you to be able to experience God and all that he is and all that he has for you. But but the reality is your sin separates you from him. But he has become the righteousness that you need, and if all you'll do is put your faith in him, this is not your works. Your works will not get it done. But the reality is, he has already gotten it done, and he will make you right if you put your faith in Christ. You're here today, and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to make a decision to follow Christ, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. This could be the best day of your life when you say, I'm putting my faith in Sid Canoe. I'm putting my faith in the, the Lord, the righteous judge the one who will judge sin. And I don't want to be judged by my sin because my sin separates me, but I want to be judged by his righteousness. If that's you today, God wants to, he wants to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, but all you have to do is say yes to God. You got to say yes. And I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to do something powerful in your life. And I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to raise your hand and say, Scott, this is speaking to me. I want to make a decision to follow God. The best decision you'll ever make it will unlock spiritual treasures that you could never even understand or contemplate. If that's you and you're saying, this is speaking to me, I'm gonna count to three, I just say, hey, God, I'm saying yes to you. One, God is the righteous judge. Two, he is made a way. Three, raise your hand and say, I'm in. I wanna make a decision. Come on, all over this place, just say, that's me. Hands going up, I see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, right there, right there, come on. This is your time. This is your time. Say, man, this is for me. I wanna pray for you over here, great. I want to see every person that's raising their hand. Yeah, that's awesome. Anybody else speaking right to you? God, I pray for every person who is reaching out for you right now. God, I pray that in this moment you would make them right, that they would, be, they would come from death to life, that they would put their faith in the living God. I pray that, Lord, you would do it, that, God, you would bring about a great transformation of spirit. God, that you would make them right with you as we were intended from the very beginning. Father, I thank you so much for it. I give you praise for it. I give you glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'll ask our prayer team to come down to the front. And we're going to be praying for people down here. If you made a decision to follow Christ, we'd love to pray with you. If you have a need in your body, we believe that God is a God that heals, that he heals today. If there's a need in your life, I believe that God wants to come through from you for you. He is our provider. And he wants to come through for you today. And so we're going to pray. We're going to welcome God into this place. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. But I want to I want to I want to we're going to sing a song that says Jesus over everything. Because he opens the door for us. So would you raise your hands all across this place and let's just let's just praise him. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for the amazing grace and goodness and forgiveness of God. Oh, Lord, it is so sweet. How sweet it is to trust in Jesus, to have our sins forgiven. Oh, God, thank you so much for your righteousness. Thank you for not judging us as our sins deserve, but 
judging us according to your righteousness. Lord, we thank you. God, we praise you. We don't deserve it, but God, you're faithful. And Lord, we love you and we praise you and we worship you in this place today because you are worthy and because you have allowed us to come into your presence. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship. If you have a need, come down to the front. We'd love to pray for you. Everybody else, let's just worship Jesus Christ.